It's been a long day. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Elixir Talk. My name is Desmond Bowie and I am joined by Chris Bell. Hello Desmond Bowie, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm fine Chris, I'm a little little under the weather, got a little bit of that winter sore throat, but not as bad as some of my friends and colleagues. I'm sat here in a t-shirt and it's like actually really cold <laughs> and I don't know why I'm in a t-shirt, so <laughs> very bad with the seasons and I still haven't really got used to Fahrenheit, so that's the thing. Yeah, well Fahrenheit or Celsius, it's, it's still cold, right? Yes, yep, that's true. I should probably just learn that 34 or whatever means cold. I mean, if it was cold yesterday, it's going to be cold today. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I just don't learn the, my lessons, you know. Chris Bell, ladies and gentlemen. <sighs> yep, it's the curse. It is the curse. What's been uh, What's been going on with you? Uh, the main thing going on with me is uh, MPEX, MPEX LA. Specifically, we uh, we just announced our speakers um, a week or so ago, and tickets are now on sale. It's a pretty, it's a pretty strong lineup. Um, we got a bunch of great talks. Uh, I think more than half of our speakers are women, which I think is another first for Elixir conferences. So, pretty proud of that. Um, our two keynotes are great. Um, one is Miriam Pen- uh, Pena. Pena. I always want to say Pena, but I don't think that's what it is. Uh, she's an engineer up at AdRoll, and she's delivering a keynote called War Stories, distributing, scaling distributed systems. She's been working with Erlang for like over 10 years, uh, has a ton of experience in the space, and is going to be digging into what it's like to run Elixir clusters at scale, uh, trade-offs, things to think about. She's going to dig into uh, some garbage collection, how the VM works, um, just a lot of this like low-level, high-performance stuff that is super interesting, but not a lot of us have experience with, she has experience with. So uh, she's going to dig into that, and I'm, I'm super excited about it. Um, yeah, that sounds like an amazing talk. I'm sure there'll be a lot of good nuggets in there to take away. So Yeah, I mean, these Erlangers have all the good stuff. and so I know, right? Yeah. More sharing, more cross-community sharing. That's what we like to see. So yeah, this is right? great. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. Uh, so that I'm looking forward to. Um, there's a couple of talks on metaprogramming that are pretty interesting. Um, we've talked about metaprogramming a little bit, but I don't know how much people actually use it in their code beyond just the using macro. Like how many people write actual DSLs? Um, and so one of the talks given by uh, Bruce Park, who's one of my colleagues and an and MPEX organizer as well, is going to talk about how to build or he's going to use uh, a testing framework as an example for how to write your own DSL and really your own business rules, um, mm. which is pretty interesting. Again, I you don't see a lot of that sort of thing in regular code bases. It's usually just functions. And people advise against using macros when you don't need to. But I think if you see them used well for a specific use case and see how powerful they can be, that really drives home like, oh, this is something that I should be familiar with. Definitely. I'm actually uh, deep in the weeds this week in writing a DSL for uh, generating open API schemas from our serializers, our API JSON serializers. So, yeah, it's kind of fun. Mm -hmm. It's like my team basically gives me all the tasks that they don't want to do. So, um, (laughs) yeah, it's cool. And I'm very happy to take them if anyone's listening. 
So <laughs> anyone on um, your team is listening? Yeah, I don't think they do, but that's that's okay. That's a different story. But um, yeah, I think uh, it'll be great to hear more stories about how people are using macros in interesting ways. Um, mm. And this is the thing that I'm doing is literally just a DSL and just wrapping everything in a nicer DSL. So uh, it's a bit more friendly to work with this um, these schemas that get generated. But uh, hopefully that kind of tooling will be good for the team. And I think like that's a really good example of macros and when they can be really useful. And clearly uh, what Bruce is talking about there is uh, uh, another example of where you might be able to leverage it and uh, getting some mileage out of macros through TDD. So I sound, oh, sorry, it's BDD, BDD, which sounds even more interesting. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I mean, one of the, the main focus for this conference is like taking Elixir beyond just the... I wrote a web app with functions that take arguments and do stuff. It's like, yeah. how do you really take things to the next level? There's a talk about uh, lessons from our first trillion messages with Flow. I was um, just about to bring that one up. Do you, do you think they actually did a trillion or is this one of those like marketing headlines that you put in your talk and then you're like, crap, we haven't actually done that yet? <laughs> Which is typically like how every talk that, I, that talk proposal that I write goes. You well, know? sure, but I would hope they've at least got the trillion messages already and they're not like hoping you know they're not at like 999 billion <laughs> they're waiting for january to hit that mark right right but honestly though that sounds super interesting using flow for a data pi- pipeline so i would enjoy that talk a lot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i keep thinking about like more flow and about how cool it would be to write more kind of big data pipelines using flow you know I think like Jose had that whole thing about like, you know, how big is can your data be using Flow? And I think people think of big data as these ridiculous things, but you can do so much just using something like Flow anyway. Well, I was going to say the opposite, where everyone's like, "I've got big data," and it's like, "No, you, no, you don't." Well, it's like a few million records, and you're like, "Yeah, cool." Yeah, <laughs> cool yeah. story, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, not to knock anything though, because you know. Everyone's got to start somewhere, right? But use the right tool for the scale you're at, and often flow can be a very good uh, tool. Yeah, and again, like, do you need to use macros in your code? Maybe not, but you should know what they are. You should know what flow is so that mm. when the day comes, you know how to reach for it. Um, yeah. We we do, like, all of our um, bigger DB migrations uses a stream and then streams into, like, flow code. Uh, what do you mean you use streams for your DB migrations? So let's say that we've got to set, uh, like iterate through our entire list of users and add a, add like a specific default property that we couldn't just do in a DB migration, yeah. right? Like you have to compute some value and set it. Um, we always write that using Flow. So we have we have specific like cron tasks that we write, um, and they always use Flow to do it, and then. Um, uh, yeah, we just set the values using some kind of flow pipeline. And what's the uh, what's the advantage there? Well, flow allows you to um, fan out, right? So you can basically say that you have lots of different processes processing each one in parallel. Um, and because it's a stream already, you're not using a ton of memory to load all those records. You're doing like some page or whatever at a time. So stream comes in, you're kind of streaming from the DB and then you're fanning out on all the records executing in parallel and doing all your updates and everything you need to do um, and then you just keep processing the data until there's no more data so sorry my, 
my legs asleep and it, <laughs> it really hurts. And I, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Give me a second here. Thanks for listening to me, you know. Uh, <laughs> Uh, um, hold on, hold on. Do we need to do a clap? Hold on. No, we're not going to edit this out, whatever. I heard that people actually listen to this podcast on like one and a half or double speed anyway. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Th- so, that's good. That's the right way to do it. Yeah, I guess so. I don't worry so much about like editing out little gaps in between uh, what we say anymore. Mm. I heard that. Okay, it's getting better. Anyway, um, so... But if you fan out all that work, uh, how much throughput increases do you see? Because you still have to, like, the database is still single-threaded. Mm-hmm. But, um, well, yes, but you've got a pool of connections, right? So let's say that you read from a stream, and that stream's, like, grabbing loads of, I don't know, whatever your thing is, your unit, so, like, a user or something like that. You're doing a particular query, you're streaming from there, and then in every single process that's fanning out from flow, um, you might be writing back to the DB or doing something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so in that way, you can leverage that kind of um, concurrency there. So I think that's like where flow becomes really interesting. Also, I think flow is built on top of gen stage, so it's demand-driven as well, right? So you can say that... Um, those individual flow processes are going to are going to ask for work. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an interesting way to say that, like, you're putting a limit on the amount of concurrency you can do, um, but you can still execute a lot of work in like that. That's nice. I mean, I don't know how many of our listeners have done what I've done, which is you run a migration and development, and you're like, cool, this goes pretty quickly. And then it goes to production, and you realize that you're loading in like all the records into memory, and then your garbage collector uh, drags everything down. So I think building in a, some back pressure—that's uh, a good design de- design decision. takes takes away a whole class of bugs. Yeah, it definitely like for us, it's been good, and it means that yes, we throw a ton of load at our DB, but like most of the time, the DB can handle it. Um, and because it's flow, you get to tune the amount of stages and demand that you have. Um, so you get like nice levers that you can pull if you need additional um, concurrency. So mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, I, you know, yeah. I don't know that much about flow, so I'm gonna. Let you should. I should. Well, that's why it's good that talks coming up. <laughs> I know. Right? That's why we chose to talk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a nice. Oh, so- <laughs> that's a nice thing about running a conference. I know that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Although it, we should add here that. When you do your talk submission to MPEX, we anonymize the proposals. So uh, everything is viewed through a lens of we don't know your speaking history. Um, we don't know who you are in the community or anything like that. What we're just getting is the raw proposal and then we're making judgment calls off of that. Mm-hmm. So um, in case you thought there was any like bias going on here. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned Bruce is a conference organizer. We had no idea which talk was his. Um, but he he did <laughs> yeah he he did and you know yeah. i think it's customary not to vote on your own talk but uh yeah i mean that's something else that i'm pretty proud of is that you know all the submissions are anonymous and so you know the selection is just based on merit yeah definitely uh, what else are you looking forward to uh yeah. at mpex um yeah there's a bunch of nerve stuff we have a uh, a Ooh. talk called five easy ways to start with nerves and i think everyone's sort of interested in nerves and i think we sort of get stuck with like so what do i do with it you know Mm -hmm. you can make the blinking lights 
And then what? Did you own an Arduino set? Because like the only thing I ever did with it was like, oh, I made some LEDs flash, and then I put it down and never picked it back up. Yeah, I had oh. a couple of microcontrollers. Um, I had an Arduino. I don't know how long ago this was, 12, 13 years ago. And the project that I made was I hacked it. So I hacked it into a NES, like an old Nintendo box. Um, and I plugged in a Nintendo controller into it and read from the controller like button inputs. Um, and then had it create, had it drive an LED strip for my room so that using the Nintendo controller, I could change the different levels of red, green, and blue and like save default or presets and everything and then have it like fade in and out and control it with that so basically i turned the lights off and on but there was a nintendo component too and some hardware and that's, stuff that's kind of cool yeah it was fun. you should rewrite that with nerves i wonder if i still have the code god knows i'm sure you could do it again yeah it wasn't a terribly sophisticated project but it was tons of fun i really like that stuff that's like close to the metal yeah and you just like I write to a memory that. address yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the pin goes high I- I haven't. This is really embarrassing. I never even played with nerves or anything. And um, I think we said this a few times on here, but we should definitely have someone on to educate us about nerves as well. Well, I'm trying to get Justin and Frank on the show because they are also doing a nerves training. Oh, amazing! So, are you going to go to that? Um, no, I think I'm leading the beginner training at the same day. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. so I got to go to that. A very noble cause. But. Yeah, um, it's a bummer um, because this training is called a device to the cloud with nerves and nerves hub. So it's about getting set up on a project with nerves and then uploading it to um, uh, nerves hub, which is a, a site kind of like GitHub. And um, yeah, like getting into the ecosystem and not just how do I like write this thing on my controller, but how do I get involved with the community? How do I make this an actual project that um, others can help with? And what tools are out there to help? help support um, my development with nerves or one's development with nerves. So uh, decent nerves chunk of MPEX, which I'm excited to see. Yeah, that's great. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, I guess I should consider buying a ticket and coming out there. How do I do that? You can visit our website, which is mpex.co slash LA, which we has should definitely put this in the show notes, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's a list of all the talks. Uh, the conference is Saturday, February 2nd in Los Angeles, California. The training is the day before on Friday the 1st. Um, and it's a great time to be in LA. You know, it's sunny and warm. So if you're someplace like Chris, where it's cold, then uh, think about coming out. Um, you'll be able to hang out with us and have a pretty good time. Nice. And how much are the tickets? Uh, well, it depends when you buy them. Um, uh. Yeah, we have early bird pricing. Uh, there's a couple tickets left for that. And those tickets are $195. Um, it's a steal. Yeah, it's a steal. I'll say. I mean, full day of tech talks, meeting some of the some of the greats in the community. And then tickets go up to 245 for regular admission. So get them while they last. Uh, the trainings are $325. Uh, Nerves is a little more expensive because there's a fee for the actual hardware that we order for you and you get to take home. So yeah, pretty reasonable. Um, LA is a little cheaper than New York because well, it's not New York. 
Yeah, because you don't have to pay for like a jazz club somewhere. Well, we have our yeah. we have our sweet industrial lofts and disco ball. I know, but so yeah, it sounds like that's a lot cheaper, which is really nice of you, for all of you. It is. It is nice, and, and we can pass the savings on to our attendees. Absolutely. We don't. So I, I, yeah, I think like two hundred bucks for a day's worth of tech talks is pretty damn good. So I would pay two hundred dollars just to listen to Miriam's talk. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, if you think about the insights you can get from that. Yeah, so that alone, pretty cool. Yeah. So well, I'm. I'll be uh, checking out the tickets and checking out the flights to see if I can do it. So yeah, so it would be, it would be nice to get some sunshine. Dope, man. Yeah. Dope. What What about you? Anything else going on in uh, the world of Desmond? Um, I don't think so. Was there something we said I would talk about besides impacts? <laughs> No. I don't remember. Okay. No. You've been uh, writing any Elixir? <laughs> uh, a little bit this week. Mostly just finishing up um, a new internal dashboard, writing up uh, some new endpoints. Do you ever just nice. like write a Phoenix endpoint that just serves traffic? Like you don't go through a router and controllers and everything. You just do what you want. No. When did you do that? So we serve these um, static JavaScript apps Yeah. for a dashboard. It's like a couple of React apps. Um, and so we keep those files like inside our umbrella app and use Webpack to compile them. And mm-hmm. so when a request comes in on that endpoint, cause they have to go to, they have different URLs mapped to different internal ports. So we have a different endpoint for each port. When that comes in, we just map that request to serve the, uh, the static file. It's like a basic index page, which then loads mm-hmm. our JavaScript. That's. How come, like, you don't serve that from a CDN? Is there any, like, Elixir component to it? Uh, no, a CDN just adds some extra moving pieces that we didn't need because it's yeah. there's not a lot of traffic on this dashboard. It's more for administrative stuff. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, that makes sense. It's not consumer-facing. Okay. Yeah, okay. So how do you do that right now, then? How do you we... just, like, mount an endpoint or something? Yeah, you spin up a Phoenix endpoint. I mean, the file is, like, 20 lines. Hmm. Um. Most of those lines are white space, and um, we could probably pull out even more because it's just two functions, um, an init function. Oh, it's a plug, right? Yeah, it's a plug. Well, endpoints yeah, so are a, and plugs. Yeah, everything's plugs. Every, there's plugs all the way down, right? <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so it's init and cool, and then and that's it. Yeah, I mean, we have like other plugs for like the logger and like yeah, yeah, serving yeah. some static assets. Right, but in an endpoint, you can obviously call other plugs, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's super simple. I, I, yeah, I always forget how elegant that design is. Very yeah. nice. Plugs. It is really nice, and you can get pretty far with it. And, I mean, if we had to do some serving of, like, other pages or whatever that was really basic, I would just add in another plug that just matched on the route. I wouldn't even bother with a router or a controller or any of that crap. Mm. Just, like... Oh yeah, pipe it to this custom plug that looks what was passed in, returns something else if I feel like it. Yeah. Done. Done. Yeah. Nice. So, That's pretty cool. I recommend that. Yeah, it's really easy. Yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been working on a um, some side project that I've actually been doing for a really long time, but I've started to pick it back up because I gained momentum again in it which i feel like is what happens to me with every single side project i hack loads and i put it down and then 
I forget about it and I pick it back up and I'm like, this is awful. And I start over and then the cycle repeats. Uh-huh. But um, this, this particular project uh, is an electron taskbar app. Mm. And it's all about um, if you do a lot of code reviews on your team, it's all about an app to help you manage that list of code reviews. Um, so the idea is that Every single pull request that comes in, it basically just gives you a list of the pull requests that are there, uh, sorted by the oldest first, so you know what you need to do. Um, once you've given a review, it dismisses it and it goes away. And then as soon as someone like pushes a new commit, it reopens it and goes to the top to, to make it known that you need to go back and look at it. Um, and this may sound like you'd probably be like, why do you need this? Because, and like, really the reason is, uh, I kind of hate the GitHub emails, and I don't think GitHub gives you a really good dashboard to dig into this stuff. So, um, and I also kind of wanted to play around with like their API and do some real timey things. So, uh, yeah. So I wrote this app, and it it basically helps you manage pull requests, especially if you're like me, someone who has to review a lot of code day to day and continuously loses track about um, what's had commits pushed to it, what needs re-reviewing, things like that. So what's this written in? Um, so it's all Elixir. The back end is Elixir, as you might expect. Um, but really, all it does is like calls to the GitHub API and ingests a bunch of webhooks and normalizes a bunch of data and does a lot of, you know, it's like basically a data parsing thing from the GitHub API. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the front end is all React. Uh, so it's an Electron app that runs React that gets packaged up as a taskbar app. So, yeah. Watch your space. I'll probably open source the API and the app. That sounds cool. What um, was Elixir useful in this? Was it not useful? Um, yeah, because uh, like basically when I ingest the webhook, I want to do a bunch of deferred processing. Mm-hmm. So I get to I effectively just have like an event bus that will you know how much I love event buses, Desmond. So. <laughs> Uh, I just like literally <laughs> copy and pasted the code from our event bus internally at frame. Uh-huh. And um, every single time something comes in, I'll spin up a different, um, I'll, I'll push an event through the event bus and have different consumers that do different work based on what the type of event is. You said this um, consumes GitHub webhooks. This doesn't pull yes. GitHub. Okay. No. Well, so that's the interesting thing. To, to install this, you basically like you install it at your org level. And it will uh, set up a webhook for you. And then um, basically what happens is every single time something happens in a repo, um, it gets pinged again. So, yeah, you're basically installing it like repo to repo um, as you need to. You like opt into projects to watch. Mm -hmm. So you can say like, hey, I have this repo. Watch all of the pull requests on this and see when I'm notified. Mm -hmm. And then it appears in your top bar. So it sounds fun. Yeah, it's all real time as well, so it's all like WebSocket driven. Nice. Yeah, so I made. I think like Elixir was a really good fit because of concurrency and because of uh, Phoenix and just WebSockets being so easy. So mm-hmm. yeah. Plus, I just yeah, I like can't seem to bring myself to write anything else ever. So that was kind of why I did it. You mean anything besides an event bus? <laughs> <laughs> I think the event bus is a very good abstraction and everyone should be using it. And if you're not, you're, no, I, yeah, I, I do love event buses. You're right. So there you go. Uh-huh. You heard it here first. Cool. 
Okay, great. Well, so that's that. Watch this space. I'll uh, hopefully publish it over Christmas or something over the holidays, you know, doing some more downtimey work. Nice. Well, I'll look out for that. Cool. Cool, man. Well, shall we wrap well, it up? Yeah, we should wrap it up. Well, thank you as always for listening to uh, our somewhat dulcet tones. Um, I guess I've been Chris Bell and this is Desmond Bowie. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the show. So if you have any feedback, you should get in touch with us at elixirtalk.com uh, or you can hit us up on Twitter, which is twitter.com forward slash elixirtalk or GitHub, which is github.com slash elixirtalk slash elixirtalk. And as always, we love your ratings and we love it when you tell your friends about our podcast. So uh, wherever you get this, if you could hit that rating button and write a little review, that would be amazing. So thank you. And until next time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, until next time, don't mess up the ending. Is that it? No, keep Elixir in. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, keep Elixir remember, in. Yeah. Remember the key- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, brother.